Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2, and 98.3 FM. This is the Insight Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. We're at the Reporters' Roundtable talking about some of the top stories of the week on deck tonight, as you might imagine, crime in the DMV. From the mayor's crime bill to community meetings and dog nappings, D.C. area hospitals also seeing a spike in visits. A mysterious respiratory illness is causing that. It's in children. What does the dust-up between hip-hop star T.I. and his son King Harris say about pop culture image and private family business going public. We'll even talk about the National Christmas Tree taking a topple at the White House uh, yesterday. My guests are Dr. Yannick Lamb, president, I'm sorry, president, I want to say president, you are regal. How's that? Did I get out of that one okay? Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I, you know, hey, I, I got to stay on top of it. Independent journalist and professor of journalism at Howard University School of Journalism and Dominique Moody, reporter at NBC for Washington. And, of course, you, our listeners and our viewers, lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Of course, you can X me at HFisherWHUR. You can find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Thank you all for coming in. Uh, Dominique, thanks for coming in as well. First time on the program. Uh, Let's get to the issue at hand, crime in the DMV. The big issue right now is D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser's Act Now Crime Bill. Here is just an excerpt of what we heard today. This crime surge has affected residents, visitors, and businesses they support. Many are fearful and their day-to-day lives have changed in a myriad of ways as a result. Yesterday's wickedness is not today's righteousness. In fact, these provisions appear to be aimed at making policing easier for MPD officers. The assumptions being that our city is safer when officers are free to restrain people with chokeholds, engage in high-speed car chases, and arrest people for lingering in public spaces that have been temporarily anointed drug-free. It is a controversial bill. Obviously, we are seeing some of the worst crime in the nation's capital in some 20 years, more than 250 murders uh, over the weekend in D.C., carjackings off the chain, retail crime, a big issue. Yannick, uh, your, your thoughts about where we are with this crime bill right now? Well, some of the people working the government, even working the government, feel that they need to go back to the drawing board to tinker with it a little bit more. They agree that something needs to be done, but that is leaning too far in favor of the police. And they were also talking about how that bill erodes trust. There's already a lack of trust um, among the public for the police and that this will contribute to that more. But I think, you know, the reality is, and we've been talking about this program time and time and time again, that this is the thing that is on the minds of everyone. The the very first story today in this newscast, a federal agent, an FBI agent, carjacked. Now, they got the car back. The reports are that that agent was not hurt. But carjacks are are becoming just ridiculously frequent. And I think a lot of people are just tired. They're tired. really, really tired. Yeah, tired is the, is the best way to sum it up. You know, just talking with some of the 
people who live in and around different parts of D.C., you hear about how they want to live in a community that best fits them, their family. And NBC4, we just did a, uh, a great investigative deep dive into what people are actually telling us. And so what they're telling us is that, you know, simply they're living in different parts of the city and they have to deal with a lot of uh, gunshots at night. And these are young people and parents who have young children. And, you know, this is becoming a part of their reality at such a young age, you know. And so I think that what a lot of the government officials and what you know, some of the other community organizations are trying to do is trying to come together to find some type of solution. Because when you go out into the community, you know, what they're what mm -hmm. you're hearing from a lot of the people inside of the community is that we are tired. We are sick and tired. We want to be able to live in a community that best serves our youth, that we're able to walk the street without having to worry about a carjacking, without having to worry about a robbery happening, you know. And so now I think that what you're trying to what a lot of people are trying to do is put their heads together, find some common ground. And that's why you're having some of these community meetings in which people are coming out and being vocal or you're having a public hearing. Yeah, it's been going on all day. And even like the grandmother who was on the news recently who had to shield her grandchildren right. from being shot right in their own home. Right. So people want something to be done. But at the same time, some of them are worried about the young men or young women in their lives their encounters with the police if they're innocent of doing something else. Well, one of the things that this bill aims to do is to make an adjustment to regulations regarding chokeholds. And that in and of itself, I think, is for some people kind of troubling where um, police reforms have really focused on, you know, kind of addressing the whole police chokehold thing. But to to give police uh, more leeway with that. And look, I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I do remember that, you know, the legislation said, well, you know, not not the throat, but the windpipe. In the, in the heat of making a muscular uh, arrest where someone is not trying to be detained, I mean, where, where, where do you do it? And I think that's a, that's one of the issues. The other issue, of course, retail crime, which is a, a big, big focus, especially as it relates to these flash mob yeah. uh, mm -hmm. crimes. And I think one of the difficult things for the Bowser administration is she has been hearing from merchants because it is affecting business. I know that some of my friends who may live uh, outside of D.C. who historically like to come into the city to shop, they're not doing it. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, what impact, the economic impact, is this rise in crime potentially going to have? Right. Well, a lot of people are concerned about that as well, because ever since the pandemic, everything costs a lot more than mm. it did before. So if you talk about um, prices at stores going up because of these retail thefts, that's a bigger problem for people because their money is not stretching. And I think one of the problems with the bill is that it's trying to do too much. So I think people feel that something needs to be done. But if you're mixing it with chokeholds and whether you have access to, you know, cameras in terms of writing your reports, that's kind of people want to know about their own safety at the same time. So it looks like you're giving leeway to the police at the same time while you're trying to break, crack down on crime and protect people. Yeah, right, right. And I think that to Dr. Lamb's point, you know, in, in addition to the retail theft, it also says that um, addressing 
wearing a mask while committing a crime. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? About that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you're, you're thinking about addressing one problem. So you have so many other problems that you're trying to deal with. And that's that's right now. That's what government officials. That's what they're put in these positions to do is to solve problems for the greater good of the community. So if you're focusing on retail theft, create a concrete way in which you can address that. If you're going to address maybe uh, chokeholds or how to police the proper way to police, then maybe that's a, 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 a opportunity to go to the police department you know, and figure out a way in which you can train them in the way in which they could properly subdue a subject. Yeah. 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. We are at the Reporters Roundtable talking about some of the top stories of the week. If you have a comment or a question, give us a call. Again, lines are open at 202-319-7810. Dion, calling from D.C. Thanks for calling, Dion. What's on your mind? mind, Harold, is almost, it sounds as if we are um, politicians, parents, we're afraid to face the truth. I understand that we want to deflect with proper policing, but what is the proper encounter that the citizens should be upholding when encountering the police? I mean, we're saying that the police have to police properly. But as a child, I was always told that when you have an encounter with the police, you aren't combative, you don't um, comply. So we have these kids and these teenagers with this automatic anger for the police when they actually, police actually haven't done anything to them, but based upon what they, somebody else did or what someone else encountered it's like everybody has and i'm at this particular time i'm talking about the youth everyone has like an instant aggression towards the police and we we have to address that also because proper policing is the laws that have been in place that it seems like a lot of youth don't want to adhere to. So let me ask you, Dion, what do you suggest? What What is your suggestion for um, having better police community relations, particularly as it relates to, to young people? That, and I think you make an excellent point, that certainly is not new. The animosity between particularly uh, communities of color and the police, that is that has been a long-standing issue and, and long are the days now I'm telling my age when we had officer friendly uh, and, and the like but what do you think how, how can that be changed um, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure of how it can be changed but I think the solution has to be it has to be almost like a child. If they kick and scream, you can't give in every time they kick and scream. They have to They have to have consequences. And, you know, every police officer doesn't put everybody in a chokehold. So if we keep focusing and zooming in on the minority incident, um, it, it just takes away from the majority of police officers who are trying to uphold the law, do the right thing, encounter citizens in an officer-friendly manner first before, you know, they've been tried. And, and, you know, with everything, 
when someone's disrespectful to you for no reason, it, it kind of alters your attitude, and we can't expect them to uphold, you know, these particularly un... I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that it's fair that we hold the police officers to a higher standard of morals, which those are instilled in everyone, not just someone who wears a uniform. Yeah. Uh, Dion, thank you so much uh, for your thoughts about that. Anybody uh, have any thoughts about that? Uh, it's it's a complicated thing when you're when you're talking about the police. It's it's one thing to be pulled over for a ticket when you're speeding, and for those of us who, uh, you know, have children, you have to have you know we we've been talking about the talk, and, mm-hmm. and, and the like. But it it still remains a very complicated issue. And to that point. Uh, as an aside, you know, police unions, not just in D.C., but all over, have often said that some of the reforms that have been put in place after the murder of George Floyd, now they're saying, well, I told you so. This is one of the things that, that, that this kind of rise in crime, because, you know, they may say, yeah, there's been a little pullback. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, it's a tug and pull type of situation. It's like you address it one way and then, you know, it may not turn out the way that you thought it would turn out. And then you go another route and you think that it's not going to be the best route that you go down. And it's like I understand what, what Dion was saying. It's it's just like, you know, you try to instill some of these values. Right. You know, within our young people and and doing that, I think that it allows them to kind of understand, like kind of like what you had mentioned like talking with police getting to know them like i remember i think i had the dare program when i was growing up mm-hmm. so i got to know you know the police officers and apparently it worked yeah i mean you know and so like she said you know it, it, it could really come down to just having a conversation with a police officer right because we know that there are officers officers who i've met you know just in my in my career who continue to kind of stride and and do their best for the community, right? Because like when you go to some of these meetings, you know what you're hearing from the the people in the crowd is that I remember when I had Officer Smith, and Officer Smith would come by. He would know my grandma. He mm-hmm. would know my uncle. He would know me. And we're like, hey, Officer Smith, you know. And so you establish that that relationship. You know, it can it can do wonders for the community. That community. How, but how do we get so far piece. away from that? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. Well, I, I would I would argue that again. Um, there has been a great deal of animosity and some of it deserved. You know, we, we can, and this isn't about D.C. I mean, we, we can, you know, talk about, uh, you know, Ferguson. We can talk about, you know, George Floyd and, and the names just go on and on and on. And some of these high profile things have obviously influenced how people of color view the police. And certainly, um, and even before that, like mm-hmm. I said, my dad had to talk with me. And my father was a military police officer in the United States Army. So there needs to be some solution and, and certainly something. Uh, this is something that continues to uh, to need work. Speaking of work, let's go back to the phone lines. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Simmons or is it Simons calling from D.C.? Simmons? Simons calling from D.C.? Give me a call back if you can. Let me go to Ali calling from Maryland. Ali, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Uh, good go- afternoon or good evening. Good evening. Go right ahead. Peace be unto you. Thank you. Yes, my name is Muhammad Ali. I'm a Muslim American Party mental health therapist. I've been on different programs over the years, including Dr. Calvin Rolock's program, 
WYCB Radio and Sound Off. And I'm concerned about all the inequities that's taking place as far as housing, as far as so racism has to be dealt with, critical race theory. Many people want to put it aside and toss it aside. They don't want to discuss it, but it has to be dealt with. So people from various uh, parts of the community have to come together to address that. I mean, nationwide, worldwide, with all the craziness and insanity that's taking place in the world, racism is at the top for me. Okay, but we're talking about crime. Certainly, you know, uh, racism isn't a very, very important thing, but we're specifically talking about uh, crime elements in the community. And, and I certainly appreciate your passion and your concern. And when we do have those, those issues specifically regarding uh, racism, I invite you to give us a call back. Let me go to Virginia. Virginia calling from D.C. Thanks for calling, Virginia. What's on your mind? Hi, I would, I would suggest one thing about the youth that are committing these crimes, uh, most of these kids can't read, and they're frustrated. They don't go to school because they don't want to be the one stand, uh, outstanding in the class who can't read or, or is behind in the, on the rest of the class. Before, and if they are picked up for these crimes, don't just turn them back over to the same environment. Maybe set up a Saturday Academy or something so that they can at least learn basic skills like how to count their money and how to read. Uh, I think that might help uh, as far as them having encounters with the police. Uh, they're not getting it in the classroom because they feel, you know, they, they, they're ashamed that they can't read. I would love to see uh, some emphasis placed on in that area before, as a means of keeping them out of the street. Mm. Virginia, and they just learn something. I mean, you know, if they might run across them. Once they learn to read, they might get hooked on reading and, you know, I, I think you, you do make an interesting point about education, uh, Yannick. That, that's your wheelhouse. wheelhouse. <laughs> education is very important, and a lot of people are very frustrated if they don't have the level of education that they desire or that the people around them have. Um, there's so many different things that need to be addressed, from family interactions to education to access to opportunities and jobs and recreation that... Um, and that's that's one reason why there's a lot going after this bill as well, too, because people are concerned, but there's so many, you know, there's the specter of some of the things that have been happened historically with the police. So that gets in the way of, of all of this, too. And, and suffice it to say, obviously, we've had a the lion's share of this conversation already has been about the anti-crime bill. But, you know, there was a meeting in Bowie State university last night to talk about crime in the community happening right now in montgomery county the county council is having a meeting about youth crime uh, the chief of police in dc was in at least two wards last night and when we went on the air was testifying at this hearing so this isn't just a D.C. thing. It's not just a D.M.V. thing. This is an issue that that people are struggling with, communities are struggling with across this country. I need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about this dog napping thing. What's going on with the French Bulldogs and, and, and why is this happening? Really, really bizarre, but uh, something that Dominique uh, has been 
focusing on for the past week or so. We're going to take a break. Don't forget, you can hear every edition of the Daily Drum Insight segment via podcast on whur.com. And don't forget, you can download the 96.3 HD2 app on your smartphone and hear the program live in its entirety. If you are on the phone, Ashley from D.C., Sam from D.C., stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141 and 96.3 HD2. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That That's on WHUR. This conversation continues on Sirius XM Channel 141 and WHUT-TV in just a bit.